be serious. 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 You must wonder what you have to do against this guy. Yeah, more in the mood for a beer right now. Um. <laughs> well, listeners, welcome to the back end as we are bringing you all the ins and all the outs of the great game of tennis. We cover each tennis slam. And we are unafraid to slam tennis. My name is Lightning, and I'll be your host for this podcast. And with me is a man who, after blood tests to ensure the required royal bloodline for Wimbledon, we've now discovered is not the Messiah. He's just a very naughty boy. Catters, is this true? Look, I can't be responsible for my ancestors stealing a loaf or two of bread back in the day. But uh, as a proud Australian, I will say that I love sport and I have been loving the last 48 hours of action lightning. There's been a bit of it, Catters. Utterly incredible. I mean, it was a nice little entree start with the women's final where I was able to put my lasagna in the microwave, set it going, duck out, watch the two sets of tennis, duck back, still a little frozen, ate it, delighted. (laughs) And then I was able to hit the men's running and I am physically exhausted, Lightning. Do they realize the tension that they put us under, the sheer physical exuberance I've exhausted? I pulled a hammy in the third set, had to have a rub down (laughs) at the change of ends. Uh, Enough about Federer being 37. I'm 36 and my body is not built for these experiences. What an epic five-setter. And, I mean, you heated the lasagna in the uh, women's match, but you went out and killed the wild boar during the Federer-Djokovic match. I had enough time to enroll in a few Italian cooking classes uh, when it was a little bit (laughs) slow in the third set. I knew it was heading towards a tiebreaker, um, so I mastered the art of pasta cuisine, uh, ducked back for the fourth, and, uh, yeah, gathered all of the raw ingredients by the fifth, uh, and then actually was able to prepare a 10-course meal, which I then went about eating by about 10-11 in the fifth. (laughs) Around the time that Federer was preparing to eat humble pie. Yeah, that's right. Uh, A fitting dessert meal, but what a a match. I mean, we will never see anything like it again. Uh, Four hours and 56 minutes of just amazing tennis. Amazing tennis. We were treated, and of course, we're also treated to Simona Halep destroying it. I mean, I just love Wimbledon. I just love the feeling. I love this time of Wimbledon particularly when the Royal Box is chock-a-block full of all the non-tennis playing celebrities. This year there was Alex Ferguson, David Beckham. I saw Catherine Zeta-Jones, Hugh Grant, Eugenie Bouchard was there. It was just fantastic. But of course, it wasn't just the men's match. There was another massive match on Centre Quarter, a battle royal. It was... uh, Meghan Merkel versus Kate Middleton, uh, Duchess of Cambridge versus Duchess of Sussex. Catters, who came out on top in that match? Well, I didn't actually see that Meghan Merkel was there. I think uh, the cameras were still focusing on her sister's ass from the wedding. Um, I do find it really odd with the royals where they, at the end of the match, need to kind of walk in that ceremonious march mm. through centre court where they're meeting and greeting random ball kids and having a what seems like a very genuine deep mm. chat. I can only imagine it's because the Royals have been briefed that they're homeless kids or something and that they're able to <laughs> write off this whole event as a taxable claim. 
so you could just imagine the conversation going like, how are you? No, really, how are you? And the kid's just going, I'm fine. This is great. I got free gear. And they're like, yes, I know, but this is the only clothes you have on your back. And it's like, no, 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 I've got a loving family. They're there and just patting them on the head condescendingly. It's just absolutely brilliant. Well, the only way it works is because the kids have been briefed simultaneously that a few oldies have been let out from the retirement village. So just hand it to them, you know, let them have their moment out in the sun before we wheel them back away. Yeah, some of them are going a little senile, so just go along with it. So they walk away feeling like each have just done a great duty for mankind. It's a perfect solution. I've got nothing in my head. I'm just really excited and I want to hug the whole stadium. We have had one of the biggest fortnights at the All England Club in 2019. What got you excited this time around? Well, Lightning, it's probably the fact that I am still physically <laughs> recovering from that match that I watched yesterday. The trauma that has been undergone. I've booked an appointment with my counsellor. I need to process this. And so this is yet the first step in my post-traumatic recovery here, Lightning. Yesterday's men's singles final is what I'm excited about still, Lightning. Yeah. And it has to be none other than Novak Djokovic because he had no right winning that match. No. If you watch the highlights, you'll see that he wasn't exactly playing his best tennis. I don't think he played his best tennis at any point in the tournament. No. But he's just the Terminator. He was made of steel. His ability to not only absorb the threat of the opponent, but then counterpunch at the most critical moments got me extremely aroused. And it's been, it's been a while <laughs> since I've gone back to the wood racket and he made that dream a reality. The biggest thing that I look for in sport is the greater narrative. That's mm -hmm. what sport is a microcosm of everyday life, lightning. I mean, we're not wasting our time on a trivial sport like tennis if it didn't have a greater narrative and effect on the broader society. And I look at Novak and I think this is a win for everybody who's ever wanted to slack off work and just take holidays at will. <laughs> Here's a guy who's won four out of the last five slams mm -hmm. playing essentially seven days of tennis every three months. The rest of the time, he's in the Maldives with his family, sunning it up, doing absolutely nothing. I tell you what I did, Lightning. The one thing that I had the energy to do last night was to call up my boss and say, we need a review of my contract. Because I tell you, if I can peak, what is it, four weeks a year for the sake of taking holidays, I think we all agree that's an investment that the company can afford. So this is a massive win for the doll bludgers out there, those that are used to getting benefits, those that have in the past been afraid of taking the piss with their boss for asking for that six-month backpacking trip of Europe. Point to the joker. It's a terrific call, Cutters. I was amazed watching the match when he just disappeared in the second set. He wins 7-6 in the first set. He loses the second one 6-1 because the bloke is flipping jet-lagged. He's not used to being off a boat. So it took him a set and a half to, to get past his sea legs and get used to actually being on stable ground. I actually thought that he'd called a medical timeout so he could go in and, and have an emergency conversation with his wife who'd found some good deals on lastminute.com. <laughs> he was already setting his sights to the next three-month holiday in Alaska or wherever his family are yet to traverse on the globe. 
Unbelievable. The fact that the guy went on holiday during a five-set match is unprecedented. That's the brilliant thing. And if you look at his early round matches, he was in, you know, I was surprised he wasn't rocking a Hawaiian shirt and, you know, thongs. Unbelievable. He would have had Wimbledon's dress code allowed it. Don't don't get this wrong. Just on that tanking thing. Uh, and look, I don't want to... <laughs> Don't want to cast any aspersions. I know I've already dropped the T word. But um, in the case of Federer, in that semi-final against Nadal, he clearly tanked in the second set. I think he lost it 6-1 after winning the first set in a tiebreak. So I just want to say, on the basis of Bernard Tomic having his entire prize money docked, I hate to break it to you, Sir Roger, but you actually owe us... 245,000 British pounds for that one set that you (laughs) dropped in as men's semi-final. I hope he'll take it more seriously going forward. I would suggest that he makes a donation to the new foundation that I've started, uh, which I have aptly titled The Nick Curios School for Kids Who Aren't Good at, yeah, what? Good on your wanker, yeah, whatever. Concentrating. I look forward to that concentration camp kicking off, Catters. <laughs> yeah, I've already signed Eugenie up. Uh, not really uh, her plan, but uh, I said, Eugenie, there's a fair chance you've got some space in your calendar post round one of the next six tournaments you've signed up for. <laughs> Just on Djokovic lightning, uh, I don't want to sound harsh here, but beyond his parents, does anybody actually love him? <laughs> It's a strong question. No, I mean, it's just, honestly, he was very unpopular on court yesterday. Well, it was huge, and it was noticeable, the frosty handshake at the end of the match. I mean, this bloke doesn't have a whole lot of love from the fans. He doesn't have a whole lot from Federer. These two have a tense relationship, and five hours on court, they've created what will go down as one of the greatest matches of all time. You're waiting for a an embrace, a tap on the tour, a short pash, you know, a dry root, something that might just capture the the sense of what they'd just done together and achieved together. And um, he just gave a little little nod, little, you know, namaste, and, and off he went. It was incredible. And it was fascinating watching. The camera stayed on the Joker as Federer fades into the background, and you just watch him look at the crowd and almost just do the massive two-finger salute to say, I have just stuck it up, all 20,000 of you. And so I'm going to kneel down on the ground, and I love the footage, and I am going to munch (laughs) on the turf and spit it back out at you. I can only imagine that was a response to some taunts around him being a turf muncher throughout the match. (laughs) And he's like, I'll show you who's a turf muncher. He knelt down and he ate grass, which was just not a good idea because he then failed the drug test 10 minutes after and had his slam removed for being on grass. So he... He was out there to put a question mark over whether Roger Federer was the goat. And I think this was the (laughs) ultimate payback on court. (laughs) Caddis, for me, I'm like you, I was... Absolutely shattered. I tipped Djokovic to win the tournament. That was my prediction. It was mine against yours come the final. But I was fed. I was barracking fed. I wanted fed. He has now become the first person in 70 years at Wimbledon to have match points in the final and lose the match. He was that close to his 21st slam, to, to getting this slam that we thought years ago was well beyond him. 
and he was he was within a point, a serve, a forehand of getting it. And 21 slams to Joker's 15 looks a lot different to what's now 16 slams to Federer's 20. So it will go down as the greatest match of all time. And watching his wife in the stands, Fed stands, Merka, it was incredible. And she was just living every moment, every emotion, every shot. And and at one point actually popped out two more twins. Like she was <laughs> absolutely fretting. So she just has to stop going to Grand Slam finals. No more. No more, Mrs. Federer. No more. She even did steal some of the limelight from Pippa's ass, which I wasn't happy about in the fifth set. Um, I have written a formal complaint to the Russian broadcasters who I was tapping into. Um, insightful commentary, though. I mean, they're, they're not the most... I'm not even going to go down that path. Um, I honestly wonder whether this casts a question mark over that greatest of all time mantra because mm. going from the gap that could have been of 21 to 15 and now we're at 20 and 16, it must be said the record that Federer has between the two other greats of the modern era doesn't stack up. He has been brilliant. And of course, he arrived early and collected a bunch of slams before the other two hit their straps. Mm. But now you have to question when it's form against form, Federer doesn't have the wood on these two. Federer has not beaten Djokovic in a slam final since 2012. And this is now his third defeat to Djokovic in a Wimbledon final. Fed was hailed as the greatest grass player of all time. Has that mantle moved over to the Joker? I mean, this was shattering for Federer because he was the better player. Mm. He, he hasn't been matching these guys in matches, but he won more points. He broke serve more times. Essentially, he choked in three tiebreakers. It was as simple as that. So I, for me, I just put it down to a lack of effort or, or mm. perhaps experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. He was naive going into that match. <laughs> Lightning, obviously, I've had a lot to be excited about, but what's caught your eye over the last week or so? Well, we've talked about the men's final. We can't avoid talking about the ladies' final when Simona Hallett became the first Romanian woman to be popular. Incredible when she took out Serena Williams in two sets, but some context. Serena had beaten her eight out of the last nine attempts. This was Serena playing to become the oldest champion of the Open era to equal Margaret Court's 24 slams. All signs pointed to Serena, but no one told Simona Halep. She took her down. I, like you cutters, you were heating up your lasagna. I went to butter some toast, came back only to find her collecting her trophy. 56 minutes. And here's the stat that blows my mind. There were 86 points in the match, which was incredibly low. 86 points, only three unforced errors by Simona Hallett. The smallest amount of errors in the Grand Slam final history. So she had less unforced errors than Federer has children. For me, again, it points to the bigger picture. I mean, Serena, self-proclaimed goddess, self-proclaimed, what is she, mother, warrior. Demigod of the land and seas. What was on her uh, cape? At the French Open? Yeah, Goddess was one of them. Serena hasn't really held back in becoming the face of something bigger than tennis. Mm. She wants to be a phenomenon. She wants to be a cultural icon. So this is a massive loss if you think about it. What does this mean for Black Lives Matter? What does this mean for the Me Too movement? I don't know who to trust anymore. Serena has lost. Therefore, I mean, they must be crying around the world. She was their warrior. She's a self-proclaimed goddess. Who am I going to worship now? I'm vulnerable spiritually. Am I going to go for 
the Rastafarian goddess that is Ostapanko, or will I start worshipping a golden wang? I don't know, Lightning. I'm extremely vulnerable right now. So she's really thrown everything up. I, I no longer think that a marriage between a woman and a woman is acceptable. I mean, I am under massive... I'm having an existential crisis within the period of 52 minutes. Thanks for nothing, Serena. I can see that, Catters. I can see that. It was the crumbling of the fatted calf. It was the breaking down of an idol. It was... Uh, similar to Fed, for me, it's that sense of will she ever get there? Will she equal Margaret Court's 24 slams? And it's looking less and less likely. And also, I think what we're underestimating here is that since she's come back from having a child, she has not peaked. She has not been able to recapture that classic form. So I, for one, am rallying to put Alexis Olympia, her daughter, up mm. for adoption. I think it's the only solution <laughs> from here on in. And uh, I've made some calls and I have one Yudhish Chong waiting to become her new mother. <laughs> uh, I could not think of anyone better. Yudhish Chong, who has slipped a few positions, but is still top 1000 in the world. Alexis, you will be mentored. You will be uh, encouraged. You will be probably playing Hong Kong one, two or three <laughs> next year. <laughs> Kat, is there's another element, though, of this Wimbledon that's got me really excited. Wimbledon, for so long, has been the empire. It's been pharaoh. It's been this impenetrable aristocracy, you know, that that lords power over the minnows that play at sport. And and Wimbledon seems like a coliseum with all these celebrities looking down on, on the, the meat that is um, pulling itself apart on the court before them. But what I love is that the players are pushing back. Mm. This year they have not gone quietly into the night. They have not just worn their whites and casually gone politely about their tennis. They've been sticking it up the open. It's meant a whole bunch of fines. Three players have been fined as a result of these antics across the tournament. Namely, Serena Williams. You might have heard of her. She used to play tennis before she was trounced out of this Open. She was fined $10,000 by the All England Club for damaging a court during practice before the Wimbledon tournament started. How? How does that happen? I believe she uh, brought a wheelbarrow on uh, with all her Grand Slam trophies uh, and had <laughs> set them up courtside um, in some kind of intimidating kind of uh, tactic. So Others get their confidence up by practicing, but in her case, just visualizing the success she's had is good enough for her. So well done. Second. Fabio Fonini, mm. he was fined $3,000 that the Italian, who is fast becoming a favourite of mine, said during his third round loss that he wished a bomb would hit Wimbledon. <laughs> Magic. See, this is the players pushing back cutters. And he gets fined $3,000 for saying what everyone else thinks. <laughs> Sadly, though... This just in, you've just been fined $1.6 million after the uh, French Open tournament director listened back to our podcast. So Okay, bad news indeed. <laughs> the, the Fanini thing is unbelievable on a number of accounts. First of all, if he tweeted that, he would have gained probably 10,000 new followers, <laughs> but he gets fined for verbalizing it. Secondly, I thought Kyrgios was the terrorist of this tournament. <laughs> yeah. We established that, and it's what the people want. Thirdly, Fanini 
a little suggestion from a seasoned veteran like myself, you might want to get that sort of talk out of your system prior to the US Open because there will be a sniper on every rooftop at Flushing Meadows ready to bust a cap in your Italian ass the moment you utter the words bomb. It will take an Italian job to get him out of that one. There should be a clause in the fining, you know, fine print, the fine print, if you will, uh, that if you have a name like Fabio, you can say and do whatever the hell you want. (laughs) It's a terrific call. It is a terrific call. And he did. And we should be applauding him. (laughs) I totally agree. Well, Catters, that's two of the three fines. Who, my friend, do you believe was the third person fined? Uh, Given their propensity to have a tantrum i guess it might have been fernando vadasco perhaps could have been there's one with a greater propensity his name is nicholas curios oh yes saint nick who was handed two fines one a three thousand dollar fine for his first round and second another five thousand dollar fine for his second round uh, offenses both for unsportsmanlike conduct ah that's a vague term It's a vague term. Justify it. Substantiate that lightning. Well, I can't other than to say Nick Kyrgios being called unsportsmanlike is much more of a badge of honour than a punishment. (laughs) They should have just given him a student of the week award and a smiley face sticker for mine. (laughs) Mission accomplished (laughs) was what he tweeted. (laughs) He collects unsportsmanlike conduct fines like other players collect titles. He was loving... (laughs) Every minute of it, every minute of it. But I must say, they need to be more specific because if you start splitting hairs with Curios, I mean, it would just be like at some sort of cash register when people are buying food for a weekend getaway. It's like, where do you draw the line? It'd be like, okay, three broken stools, two broken rackets, six F words, Two indiscretions with crowd members, spitting on an opponent, (laughs) burning a ball kid. Uh, Yep, okay. And uh, yep, I'm guessing that that um, signage over there that uh, has been graffitied, that was you. Yep, okay, cool. Uh, Tally that up here. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Well, he will be a shattered man, Cutters, uh, because, of course, he he came away with his unsportsmanlike conduct, so he's wrapped with that, but he'll be very, very disappointed that he didn't come away with the most dollars fined. So Serena takes that mantle, so he'll be be hitting the practice courts this week, uh, literally, uh, actually, just to see what kind of damage he can do to them. So (laughs) I look forward to seeing what he can do at the US Open. I'll give you the racket and we'll no, see, how many, no. see how many times you can return yourself also. Okay, you're, you're a professional tennis player. I'm not. Okay. 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 It's Fed Up and it's Poo Down, a segment we use on this podcast during tournaments to determine, well, who has surprised us, who has risen, who has surprised us and is following in the great tradition of the Federer and who is following the path down to destruction of Mark the Pooh Philippoussis. Catters, who is your fed up? Yeah, Lightning. For Wimbledon 2019, I cannot look any further than one Alison Risk. Mm. Or if, if you're watching her play after 10 o'clock at night, Risk A. Uh, <laughs> fantastic player. American, really good all-court player. She mm. 
seems to play extremely well on grass. And I think she's just got the game to take it further next time around. I, yeah. You wonder with these players who bob up for a tournament, whether they're going to be around again or whether it was just a flash in the pan. But she is an excitement machine. And I got to say, from one fair-skinned player to the next, <laughs> I'm someone who would get the old moon tan, given my complexion. It's great to see another very, very pale player just... From one albino to another, I just like to see her succeed. And I think it's great that she's out there. She played unbelievably well. It's bittersweet. She knocked out our Ash. She did. Bash Artie. That was not because uh, good old Ash played badly. I think Risqué just no. utterly took her to the cleaners and then followed it up by pressing Serena very hard into three sets. And at no point did she buckle under the pressure. So fed up. It's the game of risk for you, Cutters. Well, who is your poo down? Lightning, my poo down is Johanna Conta, the British number one women's player. She had a reasonably good tournament, but bombed out pretty badly in the quarterfinals to Barbara Stritzova and just did not look good out there. And she's done this before where she's a bit of a Nishikori, to be honest. Mm. She can look very promising. And then she comes up against reasonable opposition in the second week and absolutely bombs out. And it's not so much that which is disappointing me as much as her attitude post-match. She's very bullish, and I get that she has a strong opinion on where she's going, and she's playing the game strategy that she's gone into the match with. But the media, they sense blood, and we saw, as we saw with Kyrgios, if they sense a weakness, they are going to try and expose it. So Johanna Conta went in there, and the journalist asked her, look, uh, a very simple question about whether strategically she would have changed up some of her shot selection Conta batted it back as she does. And this is what I think annoys a lot of journalists. She was very vague, very well formulated, very media trained in her response. So as any journalist has the right to, he came back at her again and asked a more specific question around, look, do you actually want to make improvements or will you strategically alter your approach if you're serious about winning slams? And she definitely did not take kindly to that. She accused him of, of being patronizing. And I can see that as well. The tone that he used was not appropriate. And I get that. But I think it exposes a little bit of Conta's mentality that she doesn't want to change up. She, she's quite bullish about the way that she plays. And I guess my summary is, Johanna, you were born and raised in Australia. And in 2012, you changed nationality to be English. Mm. So get used to a losing mentality. Yes. You're dead to us. Mm. Did she change her colours or did we feel as though she was a perpetual quarterfinalist and therefore we disowned her? I think the Australian government issued a one-tank policy where there's only space uh, for one disappointing potential star in, in our nation. So we had to farm her back. Right. It's very unlike the British press to turn on their own after a, a sad loss in a tournament. We know that the English don't have a winning mentality. So what do you do? Do you go out there and burn your passport at the toss of the coin? Mm. Is that a good symbol that you're breaking with tradition? Mm. At least in the press conference, she didn't blame Brexit, which seems to be the root cause of everything going wrong. The housing market, the financials. The backhand in the third set. <laughs> exactly. Maybe she needs some press conference coaching from our Nick. St. Nick yes. could lend a great hand. Even the power of diversion. I mean, Nick could say, look, go to a bar and get wasted the night before and have something else to peddle as a narrative the day after. The problem is they're <laughs> focusing on what's happening on court because of off court, you don't do anything interesting. Mm. I think she's interested in baking. 
in her spare time? <laughs> no, seriously, that was not a punchline. That was genuine. You're going to have to get some new hobbies, Conta. <laughs> Start pushing the literal wheelbarrow of titles for Serena. <laughs> Do something in your spare time. A wheelbarrow caddy for Serena. That is a brilliant idea. <laughs> fantastic working as a caddy for serena if only we knew someone who could design comfortable <laughs> footwear and clothing for you in that capacity what about you lightning who's caught your attention and who has disappointed you in this tournament uh, yes mine for me roberto batista agu is my uh mm. my fed up who is the world number 22 lovely guy and man he gave Djokovic a little bit of a scare um you know uh, in, in that semi-final, he was a surprise semi-finalist, fantastic guy. And what is great news for him, he's getting married to his childhood sweetheart later this year. It's a wonderful news story. But with that looming event, he had his stag party or his bucks or his bachelor party planned for Friday, the Friday just gone, and was greatly inconvenienced by reaching the semi-final of Wimbledon. <laughs> So nothing shows confidence in your abilities like booking in your Bucks party to clash with the business end of your current tournament. <laughs> it's not like Wimbledon sprung a Swifty and scheduled the tournament around that time, Agu. So thankfully, calls were made and his six mates were flown into London instead of going back home to Spain. So for those watching at home, that's why he had two hot cops sitting in his player's box. <laughs> and in a scene which sort of was reminiscent of, of Happy Gilmore, he had those kind of six topless dudes, each with a letter spelled out on their chest. <laughs> it added a really fun kind of level to bring the bachelor party to court. Did you see it that way, Cutters? Absolutely. And the fact that his friends weren't in great shape was perfect when you have the last name, a gut, emblazoned across <laughs> them. No, you, you make a good point. It was great to see all the friends there. Unfortunately, I thought they took it a bit far in the third set when they proceeded to book a medical timeout that he didn't ask for. And upon arriving in the change room, finding it full of strippers and having to be force-fed a beer bong, I just thought was so un inappropriate. And it really did affect his last set, if you ask me. It's fair to say. And people were a little bit surprised when he came back out from the medical timeout with the butt cheeks cut out of his pants and the stilettos and high heels. On. Exactly. The chair umpire was a good sport, renaming him, you know, game to the sexy cowboy in the lipstick. <laughs> so I think everyone kind of got in the whole feel of the event, but they it did. must have been they distracting did. for him. I was. And I felt awkward when he was having to go around and get the ball kids to sign his nipples and, you know, all, all the drinking games he did at the change of ends whenever he broke a serve and had to do his tequila shots. You know, like it added some colour. <laughs> It was probably a step too far. I think, uh, generally speaking, amazing tournament for him. And I know that a lot of the press were struggling with his name. What was his name again? His full name? His full name's Roberto Batista Agu, or as you said, Agut, A-G-U-T. So Agu. I think based on this precedent, we should. he makes an extreme effort on court. He should be just nicknamed Buster Gut. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish him all the best in that, uh, in that marriage to... Uh, his fiance. Excellent. Well played. <laughs> Thank you to the research team. Um, for those of you who want to sponsor the podcast, we're, we're, a researcher will help at those critical moments going forward. Kat, as my poo down uh, is none other 
than Serena Williams. Failing to live up to her potential for mine, I think she had 40 slams in her. Uh, 24 <laughs> is disappointing. No, it, look. Well, she actually does have 39 slams if you include doubles. So well. she's not far off that sarcastic <laughs> jibe. And it's a fair call, cut. She's a champion of the game, there's no doubt. And we do want to see her get to 24. For me, it was how she showed up in this final to be pantsed as she was inside of an hour. Some of the corporates were still streaming in, you know, with their hot dog and chips, only to find her walking back out. We we don't throw the word around lightly cutters, but Tomic the Tank Engine was fined for not showing up to his match and for being done by Songer in under an hour. Is it fair to say that Williams maybe tanked this one? Wow. No, I'm, I'm shocked, Lightning. I thought you were a better read of human behavior than that. I think she absolutely wanted it, but I think that she just bought into the greater narrative that she can stroll up and take it. I mean, what were her exact words when she showed up at the tournament and was asked about her preparation? It was something along the lines of, oh, I know how to play tennis. I know how to play tennis. <laughs> yeah. My follow-up question would have been, good tennis, Miss Williams, because there is a chasm between what we saw in the uh, early rounds and what she put on display against Halep. Mm. It was unbelievable. Yeah, so you're suggesting drugs, Catters. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, that's not, that's not a huge leap away from what I was originally <laughs> intending to say, I don't think. Uh, am I suggesting drugs as a solution to her problems? Yes. <laughs> as with broader society, kids, if you're listening... Um, I was looking for an excuse to slide that in. Uh, uh, Lightning, I'm worried about her mobility, to be honest. It's mm. never been a huge factor in the past. It's you know been overshadowed by her dominance in terms of strength on court. Yeah. But she was exposed on Saturday against Halep. And totally. I just wonder, at what stage in your career does one qualify for a segue on court? And <laughs> if she can get to that point, then I think she'll rollick in a couple more slams. But until then... So unless she can employ Conta as a caddy to push that wheelbarrow around court for her, I can't see her pulling off any more slams. Did she learn nothing from partnering with Sir Andy Murray? Robotic legs are the future of the sport. (laughs) Johanna Conta, who we'll now refer to as Johanna Caddy going forward. (laughs) She'll be sitting there watching the great bake-off, flicking between, oh, no, sorry, is this on? Okay. And just moving her around court whilst prepping those cinnamon buns for the following morning. It's brilliant. <laughs> oh, I've just closed the roof at Wimbledon. Oh, no, took her down the floor. <laughs> Absolutely. There's all these drones flying around, crashing into buildings in the Midlands of England. It is the robotic uprising no one expected. <laughs> You owe me apology. I have never cheated in my life. Killed violation. Verbal abuse. It's not touching the line. I mean, if we had Hawkeye, you would be so freaking embarrassed right now. Cutters, tennis is a multi-tiered sport. There's so much that's happening. We can't be across it all, but there's always some niggle, some needle. I want to know who is fighting, who's in battles beyond even the tennis itself. Well, Lightning, mixed doubles is not something that often catches my eye, but this week, these last two weeks, in fact, one Yelena Ostapenko has done herself no favors on court by taking what is already the fastest forehand in women's tennis and using it as nothing short of a sniper weapon out on court to take down 
opponents in the early rounds and her own teammate in one of the latter rounds. She hit three people right in the most interesting way across the last two weeks. She started by hitting, or as we mentioned last time, when she hit... Um, uh, what's her name twice? Uh, French girl. Other player. A, yeah, other player. She hit another player <laughs> twice. Unknown French female one, as the police <laughs> referred to her in the post-mortem. Uh, <laughs> she then took out two members of our research team. <laughs> exactly. Um, and we could ill afford that sort of hit. <laughs> and then she took out her Swedish hunk of a teammate in the mixed doubles with a incredible serve to the back of the head. Like, mm. she needs to rein it in. I tell you what, Ostapenko, look, Ostapenko, we understand your frustrations. You're not mm. built for tennis. You're powerful, but use your powers for good, not evil. Have you seen the last 27 Marvel films? Maybe that should be her rehabilitation as a result of the pending lawsuit from her mixed doubles partner. It is like watching a small child handling a bazooka, isn't it? It's incredible. It's just... Kat, as the women's match went for under an hour, but after all the celebrities had finished their tequilas and wandered home, there was another five hours of tennis on court because the men's doubles played out on centre court uh, in the wake of, of Williams's defeat. But this was beyond tennis. Now, we know there's bad blood between the Colombians and the French. Mm. And the Colombian duo, Juan Sebastian Cabal and Robert Farrar, they were taking on the French duo, Nicolas Mahout and Edouard Roger Vasselin. And they did so across four hours and 46 minutes of what can only be described as legitimate warfare. This was unbelievable. This was a game that transcended tennis. These two were riled by Serena's tanking efforts and taking out their anger and engaged in this like cross-continental battle, similar to Ostapenko cutters, uh, Nicolas Mahout. The French player copped three strikes, three brandings from opponents at various stages. In the first set, he was hit in the eye whilst up at the net, millimetres away from his eye. He, he had to have a medical timeout. They had to do vision and concussion checks. Laser therapy. Yeah, it was... <laughs> Robotic eye replacement, which was impressive. They've really upskilled the on-court medicos. Yeah, exactly, with those rudimentary tools. I mean, nothing but a flashlight. It was MacGyver-esque, I tell you. <laughs> he later then copped one in the neck, and then he thirdly, it late in the match, he cops one plum in the Grand Slams. Unbelievable. From right at the net of a full-blooded 120-kilometre slam, he copped it right between the service lines. It was unbelievable. Just down from his men's doubles pair, he got absolutely shanked. Well, I mean, does that mean that he's now gone from men's doubles to men's singles involuntarily <laughs> next year? Sadly, they actually had to send a ball boy to attend and he had to determine which one of the three was the tennis ball. <laughs> I have seen nothing like this, Cutters. Five sets of tennis. The first four sets all went to tiebreakers and none were less than 5-7. They all went the maximum tiebreaker. And then finally, after four and three-quarter hours, the, the, the Colombian pair uh, managed to, to take out the French pair 6-3 in the final set in what was an incredible doubles match. 
You said that it was a match in excess of four and a half hours, but I believe a lot of that was due to the uh, time out they had to take to repaint the court after the Colombians had snorted all the lines. <laughs> Love it. I didn't understand a word you're saying, but it was, it's not important. Cutters Wimbledon's over for another year. The, the People's Tournament has finished. I'm just interested now, our final reflections on what was Wimbledon 2019. For me, we came into this event wondering whether Barty could do something no one's done before and pull off the French Open and a lead-up Wimbledon tournament. And then Wimbledon, and she led us to believe with some amazing tennis throughout the first week of Wimbledon. And then she just went a step further and just baffled us all when she inserted Disney quotes into her press conference. This this girl just keeps showing more layers and levels that impress us. And she went out and went out in absolute style with just class and with just this beautiful amount of class when she was defeated by Alison Risk. She then very sneakily just threw in her final little Easter egg when she said... The sun's still going to come up tomorrow. The sun will come out tomorrow. A beautiful, humble way. And again, sneaking in her little heckle of that little red-headed misfit who's been abandoned by her family. I refer, of course, to Prince Harry. So it was great to get in a final (laughs) reference just as she parted. But for me, it was a little bit disappointing. She went out... Beautifully, humbly, but Ash, for me, that is not how we do it. You throw a chair, you cause some damage, you engage in some unsportsmanlike conduct, you take down the umpire's choice of hat, you don't walk quietly into the night with your dignity intact. That's not how we do it in Australia. So Cutters, she maintains her number one ranking, which I'm grateful for, but We'll need to work on the way she handles herself on and off court. What what were some of your final Wimbledon reflections? Lightning, are you suggesting a last-minute Bash Adi and Johanna Caddy swap, a nationality swap? Is this this what you're implying here? I wouldn't go that far. I I think she's got it in her. I think when she goes to the Curios concentration camp, I I think (laughs) she'll find a new level. Good, good. For me, Lightning, my biggest takeaway from this tournament has been that Serena, when she's pushed up against the wall and she needs to fight back, I noticed in the third set against Alison Risquet that she just put up her hair in a bun at the change of ends and came out and whipped some Risquet ass, I tell you, right there. And so this is my prediction going forward, is that these flippin' next-gen hipster slackers... Sitsipas, Zverev, you get into trouble, change of ends, we bring out a barber, shave their heads on court, humiliate them, physically remove the shackles of these John Butler trio dreadlocks. They're locks, exactly. I wish yeah. I they're locks. They're locks. I wish I had a more current reference for someone with a shaggy haircut, but um, I don't know. Research department, insert interesting <laughs> pop culture icon here. The reverse Samson, and I expect it to become a huge trend in the latter stages of this year's uh, tennis circuit. Good cutters. Bring back the bun. I look forward to a, a bald pass at the US Open later this year, which, of course, will be when you hear from us again. 
We're going to be back for the US Open as we set our sights towards the Big Apple. In the meantime, please review and subscribe on iTunes to The Backhanders. Join us on Facebook. Join us on Instagram. Follow us, The Backhanders. Make sure you come along for the ride as we take you as fans, as listeners, along with us en route to the US Open. And all the slams and all the slamming of tennis, thanks for coming along. And don't forget, until then... Quiet, please.